Pope Francis has established himself as the most unorthodox pope of modern times. He is constantly making proclamations that are either unbiblical or contradict basic Catholic doctrine. For insights about this controversial pope, stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. I'm Tim Moore, sitting in for Dr. Reagan today, and with me is my co-host, Nathan Jones, our internet evangelist. Also in the studio with us today is one of the ministry's dear friends, Mike Gendron. Mike has been our guest several times in the past and is also a frequent contributor to our magazine. Mike, welcome back to Christ in Prophecy. Well, it's a privilege to be back. I've always admired Lamb and Lion Ministry and Christ in Prophecy because you're never fearful of addressing the most controversial issues that face Christians today. And we'll be talking about one of those in this program. Most certainly. Excellent. Well, folks, Mike's the founder and director of a ministry in the Dallas, Texas area called Proclaiming the Gospel. If you watch Christ in Prophecy, you know Mike's probably one of our most frequent guests because he's an expert on a particular cop topic, Catholicism. Can you tell us, Mike, why are you an expert in that? And maybe share a little of your testimony. Well, sure. I lived the Roman Catholic life for 35 years. I was a very devout Roman Catholic. My uncle was a Catholic priest and for 35 years, I did everything necessary to be saved according to the Catholic religion. And I even went to church every day during Lent because I had the understanding that God was going to grade on the curve. As okay. long as your good deeds outweighed your bad deeds, then you had a good chance of going to heaven. And so for 35 years, I lived that life. I studied Catholicism very in-depthly. And then at the age of 34, I began reading the Bible for the first time. First time. And I had a Catholic Bible. It was the big coffee table version that sat there just collecting dust. We were told never to read it because it was too difficult to understand. And so when I began reading it, I had a crisis of faith hmm. because what I was discovering was a plan of salvation that was diametrically opposed to what I was taught as a Catholic. And so I had this crisis of faith. Should I continue believing what the Catholic Church was teaching me or should I put my trust in Christ and His Word. And so during that crisis, God opened my eyes to see the truth and He granted me repentance. I, I turned from trusting in the plan of salvation as a Roman Catholic and put my trust in the biblical plan of salvation. And I trusted Christ as my all-sufficient Savior. That literally turned my life upside down because I recognized that if I was going to trust Christ in His Word, I had to leave the church that deceived me about life's most critical issue. And then you went and started a ministry ministering to Catholics? Well, it wasn't right away. Because okay. um, you were in the business world for a minute. I was. I was uh, in corporate management for 17 years. But shortly after the Lord saved me, I was like a dry sponge in a desert. You're soaking I wanted up to, the Word. I wanted yeah. to soak up the Word. I was in a Bible study every morning of the week before I went to my, uh, my job. And so that led me to enroll at Dallas Theological Seminary. And primarily, I wanted to purge myself of everything that was wrong 
being indoctrinated as a Roman Catholic and fill my heart and mind with the truth. Well, at the end of my seminary studies, we began inviting Catholics over to our house. We had a great burden to reach Catholics. Within three months, we saw 17 Catholics exchange their religion the for a relationship with an all-sufficient Savior. Well, I love the fact that you say our Savior is all-sufficient because he, he certainly is. And you made the point of the Catholic religion, and there are many religions in this world, but what we point to is faith in Jesus Christ, our all-sufficient Savior. So as we consider the Pope right now, Pope Francis, and we're not here to tear him down, but we want to observe some of the things that he has said and some of the doctrines that he's kind of muddied in recent years. And we will point out that Pope Francis is the first Jesuit who has served as a Catholic Pope. Tell us what that means. Obviously, you have a great wealth of knowledge just through your own personal background. What does it mean to have a Jesuit serving as Pope? Well, it means a lot. It's got um, some very significant ramifications, not only within Catholicism, but also within Christianity. The goal of the Jesuits, which were established at the Counter-Reformation in the 16th century, their goal was to eliminate any opposition to the papacy, and including the Protestants who had, mm. you know, the Protestant Reformation, people were leaving the Catholic Church, and so the Jesuits were established as the secret police of the papacy. And so today, now we have a Jesuit Pope, and of course his goal, as is the Jesuit goal, is to bring all people under the power and influence of the papacy. And so that's why you see this ecumenical movement that's so powerful today. It's invading evangelicalism. Many of our evangelical leaders today are embracing Roman Catholicism as a valid expression of Christianity. And so this is all the Jesuit agenda. And we know from biblical prophecy, there will be a global religion. Yes. And the Pope is now wanting to be the head of that global so religion. So the Jesuits were almost the enforcers of the Catholic doctrine or the Catholic, as you said, religion. That's correct. That During the Counter-Reformation, many, many uh, Protestants were killed. Was that the Jesuits behind a lot of that persecution to try to force them back into the church? It's a very colorful and um, brutal history when you study the Jesuits. They literally went to war against any opposition to the Catholic Church. Wow. I think one of the most powerful examples was the St. Bartholomew Day Massacre, mm -hmm. where the streets of Paris were ankle deep in the blood of the saints. The Catholic Church was putting to death those who opposed the papacy. And in turn, they gave those who put them to death plenary indulgences, yeah. which meant their sins were completely forgiven. My wife's family comes from Huguenot background, and those were the Protestants who were killed. It's interesting that it's such a militant branch of the Catholic Church, but Pope Francis, before he was Pope, came out of something which we think is more loving, a liberation yeah. theology or social gospel. Could you explain a little about what Pope Francis's background is at that makes him so endearing to Catholics? Well, sure, that's part of the globalist agenda to um, do the things that are appealing to the masses. And liberation theology is really a form of Marxism, and it's to help the oppressed and help the poor. And so before the Pope became Pope Francis, he was in Argentina helping the poor and through this liberation theology. But it's all part of his global agenda to unite the world under the power and influence of the papacy. And we can be clear, obviously, the Lord Himself, Jesus Christ, advocates that we yes. care for the poor and the needy, but the Marxist ideology is through a totally different means, 
whether it's critical theory, uh, we've seen a whole lot of critical theory just in the last several years in this country, but the Marxist means of helping the poor does not lift them up. Instead, it's determined to tear everyone else down, and that's really what the Pope has been a part of in, in terms of his past with liberation theology, tearing down all the institutions. Uh, one of the other things that Pope Francis uh, really is demonstrating his unorthodoxy, and, and as an aside, folks, orthodoxy is simply a determination to hold to traditional biblical values and doctrines. And so what has been passed down by the saints of old is the orthodox teachings of the church. But this pope is so unorthodox because every time he opens his mouth, it seems like the Vatican itself <laughs> has to hold a press conference to backtrack what he has said. And, and most famously, in recent years, he's even seemed to endorse homosexuality. He said this, Homosexuals have a right to be part of the family. They're children of God and have a right to a family. Nobody should be thrown out or made miserable because of it. He went on to say, who am I to judge? And, and things of that nature. And yet the Vatican immediately had to say, well, well we are not endorsing same-sex marriage. And even most recently, a, one of the congregations, the groups of, of hierarchy there in the Catholic Church came out with what they call a dubium, which is an official doctrinal statement that reaffirmed the church is not going to, the Catholic Church is not going to embrace homosexual marriage, and yet many bishops were upset because they thought this pope had been giving clear signals that he intended to move in that direction. So what kind of a mess has he created in so many areas? Well, you're right about the pope not being orthodox. In fact, that's the reason that he is so controversial. He not only stands opposed to historic Roman Catholicism, but also to the Word of God. Mm. And so you've got some conservative cardinals out now that are actually um, opposing him and actually looking for him to resign. And so there's a, somewhat of a rift now in the Roman Catholic Church between the conservatives and the liberal the Pope liberals. Francis. And but some of the liberal bishops. I mean, the German bishops, for instance, were very upset that the Pope did not just embrace homosexual marriage because they were already preparing various sacramental vows and, and blessings for homosexual couples in Germany, the, the bishops. So there has been a schism within the church. And the feminists, too, are up in arms. Uh, they seem to think of Pope Benedict was the worst thing that ever happened in the Catholic Church for women because he was so strict to biblical adherence. And then you get to Pope Francis, and the women see it as a liberation. He's even going around saying atheists will make it into heaven. So it's good for atheism, too. So what, the old joke was, is the Pope Catholic? Well, yeah, because of course, but I don't uh, think Pope Francis is actually Catholic, is he? <laughs> well, he goes against historic Roman Catholicism, and so that's where the problem lies with the conservative cardinals. They don't know what to do with them. But it's really interesting when we look at this because what he's doing is he's denying the exclusivity of the gospel. Mm. He's basically saying that everyone, he's a universalist, he believes that everyone will be in heaven. He's denied that there is no hell. And so what he's saying is that everyone is a child of God. And this, of course, goes directly against the Bible because the Lord Jesus himself, when he was confronting the apostate religious leaders of his day, he said, you are children of the devil, your father. And then, of course, in 1 John, we see that there are children of the devil who practice unrighteousness and children of God who practice righteousness. So clearly, not everyone is a child of God, but this is the Pope's global agenda 
to unite all people as children of God and to suggest that everyone will be in heaven. And he's yeah. very open about it. He came out with a video a few years ago where he was there with uh, two or three other different religions. They all held their hands out with a particular symbol of their religion together. And he was making a proclamation that all the religions should get along. And basically this ecumenical one world type. In early 2021, the Pope traveled to the Middle East and met with some of the most radical uh, imams and heads of various uh, splinters of the Muslim faith to basically say, hey, we are on equal terms and it's just different paths. And that, that message has gone out very clearly to those who have eyes to see and ears to hear and realize that this is dangerously false in terms of leading people astray and not proclaiming to them the, the need to embrace the, the only way, truth, and, and life, which is Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I like to say he is the truth for those who are deceived. He's the way for those who are lost, and he's the life for those who are dead in their sin. We must come through Christ in order to have salvation. And I think, uh, you know, what we're doing, we're talking a lot about the Pope and how unorthodox he is. There's an exhortation in Romans 5.11 that we are to expose the evil deeds of darkness. And I think we would all agree that the most evil thing anyone could ever do would be to deceive people about life's most critical issue. Yes. And that is, what must I do to be saved? So for this Pope to preach another gospel, he's mm -hmm. under the condemnation of God. Because in Galatians 1, 6 to 9, if anyone preaches another gospel, they are to be condemned. And so our desire is to encourage Roman Catholics to look into the words, see what the gospel is. Don't believe this false prophet. And he has become the most influential false prophet in the world well, today. And to be very clear, it is not we who are the condemners, but it is the Word of God. And so everything that we are advocating is tested against the Word of God. It's not our opinion. It's what Scripture has, has pointed out and what the faithful have carried through in the faith of true Christianity all for the last 2,000 years. Excellent. Well, folks, we're going to take a break for an announcement, and when we come back, we're going to ask Mike to respond to some more of the very controversial comments the Pope has made. On July 17th, Lamb & Lion Ministries will host our annual Bible conference. The theme will be The Power of Prophecy, A Voice Crying in the Wilderness. Our special lineup of speakers includes Bob Russell, the acclaimed former pastor of one of the nation's largest churches, Alan Franklin, a British journalist who connects Bible prophecy to today's current events, Nathan Jones, our ministry's internet evangelist and co-host of our television program, me, Tim Moore, the new director of the ministry and host of Christ and Prophecy, and Dr. David Reagan, the founder of Lamb and Lion Ministries. We will be recognizing and celebrating Dr. Reagan's 41 years of dedicated service. Special music will be provided by the Purple Hulls, a high-energy bluegrass sister duo. The conference will be held at the Courtyard by Marriott in Allen, Texas, a suburb just north of Dallas. The registration for this conference is only $10. For further details and to register, please visit our website at lamblion.com. We look forward to seeing you in July. Welcome back to Christ and Prophecy and our discussion of Pope Francis with former Catholic Mike Gendron. Well, Mike, I'd like to run through some of the controversial statements that Pope Francis has made in sort of a lightning round and get your response, if that's okay. Sure. All right, so one of the things he said is, atheists who do good are redeemed, not just Catholics. 
Well, we know from Scripture that you must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Also, we must also recognize that the Pope believes in a works righteousness salvation. So doing good is the ultimate goal in order to get to heaven. Uh. All the religions of the world believe that same thing, which is why in the end times there will be a global religion all believing in a works righteousness salvation. Mm -hmm. Well, how about this one, Mike? If Martians were to land on earth today, I would offer to baptize them. Well, in Roman Catholicism, baptism is the sacrament of regeneration and justification. So that's what puts you on the road to heaven. And so it's a very important sacrament, which is why the Pope would want to do that in order for all people to be saved. Yeah, but adding Martians to the list seems to strain the, uh, the credibility. What about this? Uh, the big, big Bang Theory does not contradict the role of God as the divine creator. Yeah, the Pope is really into evolution. He says it's necessary in order to believe in creation, which is puzzling to me because we see the Genesis account, which the Pope denies that God created the world in six days and then rested. Wow. Well, how about this one? If someone is gay and is searching for the Lord and has goodwill, then who am I to judge him? Well, the Bible has judged homosexuals. It is a sin, and homosexuals must repent and believe the gospel, trust in Jesus, not only for the forgiveness of sins, but also for the power to become victorious over that sin. Yes, as with all other sins. I mean, all of us fall short of the glory of God, which is why all of us are sinners, and all of us must repent of that sinful behavior, that sinful nature, and come to the Lord God through Jesus Christ, His only Son. Well, on that note, the Pope also said this, God is not a divine being or a magician. It's really amazing for the Pope to deny that Christ or God is divine. And yet that's what he does, again, going against not only the Bible, but also historic Roman Catholicism. Catholicism has always taught that God is divine. Well, and clearly Catholicism or, and Catholics, I'll even say this, have been stalwarts at times of standing on certain principles. So, for instance, in this country, Catholics were sort of the lead voices pushing back against uh, an agenda of abortion. So they really started some of the pro-life movement, and we're very grateful for that. Some of the most faithful members of the Supreme Court have been Catholic, uh, very famously in the last number of years, and we appreciate that truth. But uh, when you start denying even the divinity of God, you have left the reservation of the, the Christian faith, I would assert, obviously. Well, obviously, we discussed this a little earlier, but his meetings with Muslims, ecumenicalism, there's a church, or, or it's, it's a church slash synagogue slash mosque built in Germany that he went and endorsed. Uh, that just, to me, shocks. He, he, well, if you understand Roman Catholicism, this is where the Pope agrees with the Catechism of the Catholic Church, because in paragraph 846, it says that the Muslims are part of God's plan of salvation. And so they have chosen this group of Muslims, 1.5 billion people, to be part of God's plan of salvation. And I really believe that Mary will one day be the catalyst that will unite Islam and Roman Catholicism because Muslims esteem Mary as the most revered woman who's ever lived. She appears 37 times in the Quran. And so Muslims now are going to apparition sites to get a message from Mary. Wow. And this is all part of the end time scenario. We know that in the end time, Satan will appear as an angel of light to deceive the world. And so mm. we see this happening today. Well, that brings up the question then is, where is this going in the field of eschatology or in yes. times of Bible study? Where do you see the Catholic Church role before the rapture and after the rapture? Well, a lot of people are unaware, but Roman Catholicism does have an eschatology. 
And you can actually search this uh, through the web, but they believe that there will be a Roman Catholic Pope who will unite with a Roman Catholic monarch who together will establish a time of peace and prosperity on the earth. And so we look at the papacy as being the false prophet. We see from the book of Revelation there will be a false prophet. Not the Antichrist, because I think what for centuries people believed the Antichrist would be the pope. Yes, you the, think reformers, he's more the, false the reformers believe the Pope was the Antichrist, but I, okay. having studied Revelation, I see a false prophet. The Pope is the most influential false prophet in the world today. Um, Roman Catholics have been indoctrinated to believe that anybody who sits on the papal throne is holy, and when he sits on the chair of Peter, he is infallible. So here you have a false prophet said to be infallible when it comes to faith and morals, and so he will be influential in uniting the world because people esteem him as a leader who cannot lie or deceive people. And, and let's be clear, when we use the word false prophet, we don't throw that around casually. The, mm -hmm. the Bible says that anyone who makes a, a prediction of what will happen as a revelation from God and it does not occur is a false prophet. And anyone who steers the faithful away from the true doctrines that are revealed in Scripture is a false prophet. So we're not just throwing around that charge uh, haphazardly, and it's not us that is making that accusation. It's the Scripture that points out who we should avoid and the falsehoods that we should flee from, quite frankly, and that's what your ministry is all about. So as opposed to that eschatology, contrast that with what we reveal, what Scripture reveals as the true uh, end times plan that God has put into place and has foretold. Well, we look to be looking at the um, rapture as the next event that will take place. Hallelujah, yes. Yes, and when all the sanctified believers are taken to heaven, the, the only people left are professing Christians, Roman Catholics, and people of world religions. And they're all going to be religions that focus on a works righteousness salvation. That will be the glue that unites all the religions of the world. And when you have a pope that says all people are children of God, that there is no hell, that even atheists will make it to heaven. This is what the world wants to hear. Mm -hmm. And so this will be the agenda of either Pope Francis, or we don't know the Lord's timing, but whoever the Pope may be. There's a third role in the tribulation. We read about, the, of course, the Antichrist and the false prophet, but there appears to be a mystery Babylon religion, a ecumenical religion that takes hold at the first half of the tribulation, and the ten kings and the Antichrist hate it and end up killing it. Could the Pope not is an alternative, not be the false prophet who leads a, basically Satan worship in the second half, but be the head of that ecumenical religion that will be destroyed midway through the tribulation? Well, we do know that um, the Catholic Church is worshiping a false Christ today. In fact, I brought with me a, a Eucharist. The Catholic Church believes that the priest and all the clergy have the power to call the Lord Jesus Christ down from heaven and through the miracle of transubstantiation change the inner substance into the physical body and blood, soul, and divinity. The priest and the Pope lifts this up and says, this is the body of Christ, and all the Catholic faithful say yes. So they are worshiping a false Christ. And I'm saying this by the authority of Scripture because Jesus even said, if anyone says here is the Christ, do not believe them. We know that Jesus will remain in heaven until all of his enemies have been made his footstool. We know that according to Hebrews 9.28, he will appear a second time and not in relation to sin. And so this cannot be Christ by the authority of Scripture because the Catholic Jesus 
returns every day to the earth. So it's so easy to see how the world is going to worship a false Christ when you have 1.2 billion Catholics worshiping a false Christ today. And let me also state this. Uh, it's not just Catholics who put their, their reliance of salvation in their own works, their own righteous deeds. Uh, I, if you weigh the, the good against the bad that I've done in my life, I think I'll be okay. There are a lot of other people in a lot of other Protestant uh, denominations who really boil down their own uh, reliance of salvation on that, that equation. I, well, I think I've been a pretty good person, or I've done a lot of good, or, or whatever. And they don't put their, their trust in Jesus Christ as the sufficient savor that you spoke of when we began this conversation. So it's not just Catholics who fall into that kind of false ideology, it's many others. And so Jesus said, I am the way, truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And all of our righteous deeds are filthy rags compared to the holiness of God. So we can't put our trust in that, whether you're a Catholic, a Baptist, a Methodist, a Presbyterian, or anything else. We have to put our faith in Jesus Christ. Tim, I'm so glad you brought that up because this is not an issue between Catholics versus no. Protestants. No. This is an issue looking through the lens of Scripture to see what is true and what is false. The Catholic Church is an apostate form of Christianity. And as you mentioned, there are other denominations that have also drifted into apostasy and they no longer preach the gospel. They preach a works righteousness salvation. So I want anyone that's listening to the program to recognize this, that we need to look at every teaching through the lens of Scripture. In Acts 17, 11, the Apostle Paul is preaching in the synagogues. He notices as he's preaching, people are searching the Scriptures to test the veracity of this man's teaching who wrote over half the New Testament. And so that should be the principle for all of us to follow. Test what we have said with the Word of God. Amen. Test whatever your pastor or the Pope says through the lens of Scripture. Absolutely, because even as we converse here on, on this program, we are sharing insights that we get from the Word of God. We quote Scripture, and it's not just our opinion. And so it is not, not us that is denouncing or we are not denouncing any particular individual, including the Pope or even a faith per se, we are calling out doctrines and statements and beliefs that are unbiblical and therefore lead to false doctrines and a false gospel. Amen. Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy. Mike, I want to thank you so much for coming and clearing up some issues. How can folks get in touch with your ministry? Well, I'm glad you asked. Our ministry website is proclaimingthegospel.org. And when you go there, you'll find many resources that will help you in your witnessing for the Lord Jesus Christ. I invite Catholics and Christians to view the articles, watch the videos. We have gospel tracts that we really believe are very effective in leading people to Christ, and that's our goal. We want people to exchange their religion for a relationship with an all-sufficient Savior. Exchanging religion for relationship. Well, Mike, we're so glad we have a relationship with you and are glad you could join us today. So folks, that is our program for today. I hope it's been a blessing to you, and I hope, the Lord willing, you will be back with us next week. Until then, this is Tim Moore speaking for Lamb & Lion Ministries saying, Godspeed. 
Mike Gendron's book, Preparing for Eternity, provides a detailed comparison between the gospel of Jesus Christ and the doctrines of the Catholic Church. Written by a person who was a devout Catholic for 34 years and who is an expert on both Catholicism and Christian doctrine, this book will clearly demonstrate to you the difference in the biblical concept of salvation by grace through faith and the Catholic concept of salvation by sacraments and good works. The book is 240 pages in length and contains a fascinating 66-page section of answers to questions asked by Catholics. The book can be yours for a donation of $20, including the cost of shipping. To place your order, call the number you see on your screen or order through our website at lamblion.com. If you call, please do so between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday. Lamb and Lion Ministries is a faith ministry, and as such, we depend upon your donations to pay for this television outreach. Please consider partnering with us in our mission of proclaiming the soon return of Jesus to as many people as possible as quickly as possible. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 